Okay. So you I won that round, yeah? Yeah. Okay, but I don't Literally. know. Do you get the credit because you asked better? You set I, it up better? I, I have no that. idea how this works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My first time, man. Okay, cool. We'll be generous. So the thing you put around uh, a Christmas tree? Tinsel? Yeah, that stuff, yeah. Um, the thing that the tinsel goes on? The... It's just that you just said it. Just tinsel? No, no, no. Tree? Yes, but the full name. Tinsel tree? <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas tree? Like you're a tinsel tree. <laughs> It's like a it's like a present gifting thing where you don't know who uh, gives you the presents, but you do it as part of a group. Oh, that's secret Santa. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, not the the freezing part. Time. Of where Yana's going? South Pole. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe that. The oh, South yeah. Pole. What you doing? No, she's making money. Go okay, to cool. South Pole. What's up, hustlers? Welcome to the Matt Brown Show. Artificial intelligence. AI is likely to be either the best or worst thing to happen to humanity. And in the context of AI, it seems that our technology is on the path to exceeding our humanity. Artificial intelligence is on the rise, both in business and in the world in general. But where are we exactly when it comes to AI? And how beneficial is it really to your business in the long run? Sure, it can take over those time-consuming and mundane tasks that are bogging your employees down, but at what cost? With AI spending expected to reach $46 billion by 2020, there's no sign of the technology slowing down. As the saying goes, take the next 10,000 startups and just add AI. Today I'm joined by my good friend Nick Argyros, the founder of a startup called Gotbot that uses AI to enable social commerce and optimize customer experience at scale for clients around the world. Gotbot has been voted as one of the top 10 startups on the continent by Startup Bootcamp and has raised millions in venture capital in less than 18 months. Nick and I explore the world of AI, how corporates are interfacing with startups to help them solve global challenges, and what he has learned in the process of working with the latest AI tech and building Gotbot into a global play. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the Matt Brown Show. Uh, today we've got another cracking installment planned for you guys um, with none other than Nick Ajiros, the founder and CEO of Gotbot and many other businesses which we'll get into. So how's it? Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Again. Absolutely. I'm running out of talent, bro. <laughs> I'm serious. There's a lot of talent out there. Is you better there? find it. Yeah. Is it? I must just believe more. Okay, great. Right. Um, yeah, so today we're going to talk about all things AI, actually. Um, very interesting subject and a very important subject for many reasons. Um, could either you know propel humanity into a space of absolute awesomeness or spell our impending death and end. Uh, working for the machines true story <laughs> like the matrix <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i mean it's a lot of stuff that you've seen on the on the cartoons and in the movies and so on like even the terminator kind of stuff like mm. starts kind of boiling in the back of your mind and you start thinking could this actually happen is it a simulation could it happen <laughs> is it a simulation well, i don't wait, think wait. it's sim- a simulation but uh well why not well, i just don't believe it really yeah what if there was an evil scientist that just pulled out your your cord right now like boom and then there was no more Godbot. this is not the matrix man. is it not but the matrix was the best film ever it was true, true i mean story. when was that 90 something 98 yeah, yeah. like I mean, that was way beyond yeah. its time it is yeah, that puts completely. cgi on the map yeah i mean i even think of earlier like being in school and watching things like uh, ghost in the shell which mm. is quite an incredible um 
kind of story if you think about it because mm. it's taking someone's soul and inputting it into a, a, a robot body basically yeah. so what is the essence of a, of a human soul and how can you input it into a body that can be basically exchanged and so on or if some if your arm breaks just replace it it doesn't matter mm. you know those things uh written back in probably the 80s but it's coming true could be i mean so in, in terminator was skynet correct right so um, he's that dude He's friends with Ray Kurzweil It starts with a B Baz or something like that it's Ben Ben something Someone look up Anyway whatever But he's building this thing Called Singularity Net yeah. Right Which is essentially A marketplace of AIs mm. Which are self-regulated By AIs Yes And they go Oh you're a cool looking AI That does rad shit I'm going to award you With this cryptocurrency token Sort of thing um, And the whole idea is that Collectively They will then self-design and organize to yeah. create AGE or artificial yes. general intelligence, yeah. meaning, you know, an intelligence that's, you know, smarter than us dumbasses yes. over here. Yeah. Um, so Which is a point of singularity, basically, where well, everything kind of like surpasses human intelligence or surpasses what the human brain can actually do yeah. in a sense. So they say, but I think it's by 2028, they'll be able to reproduce the the human brain in terms of mm. of output of data storage things like that and just just the brain the human brain is actually amazing in terms of what it can do well there's just so much we don't know correct correct actually. yeah um and i think where things get interesting is when once you can what we in now is where we're augmenting our reality basically where things influence what we do and how we do it mm. what you're talking about is insanely scary to someone like me. Well, I was thinking about this the other day. I remember the first computer that I got, yeah. right? Um, and I was probably six years old. My dad came back with this big IBM tower box thing. <laughs> and it like had no floppy modem. Disc. It was only yeah, a floppy disk, <laughs> not even a stuffy disk. That was an yeah. innovation. You know? Yeah, it was. Uh, but it was a floppy disk and it was the days of the ping pong and Michelangelo yes. viruses. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're, as uh, like as kids, you used to swap the little floppy disks and they were like, you know, if you didn't have virus or antivirus software, you were or fucked. Or the folder you know with mean? all the codes. Exactly. Know, to hack the mainframe. And so that was my, that was my first like technology sort of exposure to something or like what was this? And I just wish my dad had more foresight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you said, Matt, this shit's going to change the world, do computers. Yeah. I'd be a very no rich one, man. No one knew. I mean, I mean well, what we, what we hold in our hands now, mm. no one basically imagined 20 years ago. Well, this is it. You know? And that's the scary thing because in my lifetime, considering that there was like no, no internet, no computers, we that generation, like, yeah. you know, Neanderthals essentially. Um, no mobile phones, right? He <laughs> just called all our grandparents Neanderthals. Well, <laughs> just well, so you know. <laughs> well, I mean, but I'm saying comparatively, look at us now. Fuck sex. Yeah. Now we're building AI shit that can like replicate like atoms and yeah. like physical fucking elements. I mean, and I, stuff, so. I, I look at us and I mean, we're a, we're a bunch of guys that are based in Bryanston and Cape Town, and what we've been able to do commercially, using anything from natural language processing to machine learning and so on. I mean, the the term AI is very general, broad stroke, um, which machine learning and and all these things kind of fall under. Um, I think it's incredible what we've been able to do as a bunch of guys from Bryanston, Johannesburg. It's it's insane. Yeah, I was saying, I was talking the other day about how how much technology has actually matured now, and <clears throat> it's become the great leveler. Mm. You know what I mean? So, like, I'll use the analogy of that singularity net. You know, um, 
But Mav, can you actually just Google Mav? Mav, can you Google uh, Singularity Net and find out who's behind that? The guy, the guy's name. Um, so, uh, but it's the tools are free now. Correct. You yeah. know, like you, what oh, Amazon's doing is is insane. They've just uh, there's been a new release on AWS, and there are so many components to work out of. I mean, and what they're able to do now with you know cloud computing, or even going into what they're calling serverless environments, and all of this type of stuff. Um, it's it's insane to see what they're giving you access to, mm. and if you look at what Amazon's doing in terms of just market share. In terms of cloud computing, because you you would have thought someone like Google would have been at the forefront of this. They'd, they'd offered free services and so on. I mean, they only own four percent of the market. Mm. Um, Amazon now owns about fifty four percent of that market. Mm. So they're just becoming more and more and more powerful as a as a business. And I think that the the days of the guys of of Google are are no longer there. They made all their revenue from um, from ad streaming services mm. and and selling Google AdWords and you know GDN and all these types of things. And I think those days are are numbered. You mean ad funded business models? Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I mean, we think that. But the thing is, then you look at someone like Netflix. Um, they run no commercials at all. But they need them. They aren't going to make the money they need. So you can already see them start piloting um, portions of of um, uh, or, or pilots in certain parts of the states where they will be releasing ad- adverts on their platform. Really? Because, yeah, yeah. It's already started. I hate that. What, is, the, what, what happened to to um, to Facebook? Exactly the same thing. Mm. They built up a massive user base, and then they needed to monetize it mm. somehow. What's happened with WhatsApp? It's exact same thing. They've got this massive user base. They got bought for something. I know, correct me if I'm wrong there, guys. I think they got bought for something like 14 billion or 11 billion dollars. And they were 11 guys. Yeah. And they didn't make a cent. They were doing, they were twice the size of Facebook, uh, in like half the size, half the time. Something like that. Yes. They had, they had a team of like, Nine engineers yeah. being stupid. Like I think that. it was so 11 guys like in total. 50 billion messages a day. Yeah. A day, dude. Yeah, but, but didn't make a cent. Now they need to monetize it. Well, congratulations, Telegram, because when that happens, <laughs> yes. watch the flood of people who hate advertising, yes. which is pretty much everyone. Correct. I mean, I mean, really? So now they're going to serve ads by listening to what's happening in your chat I box? No, I don't think. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's already happening in Facebook Messenger, right? Eh? If you guys read the terms very, very closely in Facebook Messenger, a lot of these companies listen to what you say and then through programmatic advertising are then able to serve you what they think you're looking for. So advertising has become far more personalized, basically. I just want to say a huge thank you to the Digital Kung Fu guys for really kicking my ass into gear and helping me get my brand out there and just taking me and my business to another level. So go to digitalkungfu.co.za now and let them put the Kung Fu in your ninja. Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's just, it's interesting. That's why AGE must come because then we it can work out on its own new ways to actually fund <laughs> interesting, <laughs> innovative offerings with no advertising. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's also like I mean, it can also solve capitalism. What what what's, what makes me very um, what makes me really worried in terms of AI and the way people use it is um, I just think of um, we don't know what's happening with uh, certain governments and their militaries and so on. Um, I mean, we've already seen f- footage of. I mean, we I I did a presentation with um, 
with the guys from Plug and Play, and there was this company called True Face. Now, what these guys can do, and they've got two patents pending on their on their gear, and but what they're able to do is they are able to scan um, your face and check it against the database of one and a half million people in one and a half seconds. That's that's insane, and it's with basically ninety nine percent accuracy. Now, imagine what that does to to something like a drone or something that is able to deliver, um, I don't know, anything from from biochemical warfare to a, a gunshot or whatever it is, that becomes a, a scary world to live in. Yeah. Dude, you're my Anderson. Just hold it down. Okay, perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but the thing with, with military is that that's actually where all the AI innovation mm. has, all the investment actually, like 90% of yeah. it up until recent times has been a military application or AI. Yeah. Robotics. Scary. I mean, that shit that Boston Dynamics is building yeah. is scary as fuck. It is. I mean, that weird dog thing. Oh, my talking God. About? Yeah, that thing's insane. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. Oh. Uh, the guy's name from uh, Singularity Net is Ben Goetzel. There we go. Yeah. But let's get some Boston Dynamics stuff up on the screen. I mean, it's bloody scary. Yeah, it really, really is. It I mean, freaks that, me that, out, dude. That, that, it and can basically it, open yeah. doors now. Have you seen that video? Yeah, I have seen that. It's like, <laughs> next thing you'll know, it'll figure out how to open doors. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up, it's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. Oh my god! Yeah, check this shit out, man. Um, yeah. So, but but you know these these robots are being operationalized by AI. Correct. You know this is an intelligence that's narrow. No. You know, like Siri's stupid as fuck, and that's the thing that most people perceive AI to be. Correct. The average man, I'm saying, like you, definitely because yes. you build this yes. shit, and we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, but it's like, well, okay. Siri's d- stupid. She doesn't, you know, work. Or Alexa doesn't, you know, mm. doing things I'm not really asking her to do. Yes. Or, um, or Google Maps doesn't give me the right direction or whatever. Yes. Like this is the kind of average man's perception yes. of AI. Yes. And like with anything exponential, we know that it's going to just shoot the lights out and we're yeah. going to all be looking at this shit going, well, what have we done? Correct. You know, or thank yeah. God this thing's happened. Yeah. I mean, Elon Musk's been one of the guys that's actually stood up and said, guys, we need to just play some, Mev. Take a look at basically what the world's doing with with YouTube. AI in general. Yeah, so let's talk about you, dude. Yeah, we'll get into some of this robotic stuff. I mean, is AI bad? 
Well, right now. I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I attended stream, which was, which was amazing. And, um, one of the guys there held a talk around, um, yeah, this is crazy stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's a humanoid sort of robot yeah. thing that's jumping up boxes. Yeah. I mean, imagine the calculations going into that thing, yeah. gravity. It's mental. Like it's nuts. Yeah, it is. It's insane. And that it stays upright actually yeah. during all of that. I heard one, one thing it actually can take bio, bio uh, ma- uh, matter that's biological. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is an actual design, by the way, military yes. application robot AI. It can take like a dog, right? And then ingest that dog to use, uh, to basically recharge itself. So it's as, what? Yeah. That, that's Are you kidding the, me? Or no, is this we are like not. Real? Why this is a real okay. thing. <laughs> so now bizarre. you've got this thing running through the streets of Johannesburg. <laughs> Just eating yeah, dogs. It's going crazy. You know, well, I mean, <laughs> hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. The disadvantage, you know, but I don't know. But, um, but it's, it's a very scary time. Yeah. You know? No, it really is. I mean, one, uh, back to the points I had was, um, I went to stream one of the guys that runs one of the biggest AI clusters in the, in the country or actually in the continent, um, was having a talk. And what his angle was actually quite interesting where he said, um, I think that jobs are inhumane and robots and AI should just do all the work. And we as humans should just get to do whatever we want. I agree with that. <laughs> and it was such a bizarre kind of take on, on everything because everyone's up in arms about, you know, um, you know, robots are taking our jobs and all of these oh, things. Yeah. And what are we going to do? Mm. Um, and his spin on it was so interesting. And I'd never actually thought about that. Well, that's, that's basically what's go- it's going to happen yeah. right there. You at know, some point. Correct. At some point. I mean, you know, everything from every single type of job. I mean, neurosurgeons mm. better, better handled by a robot with a steady hand. Correct. You know, the ability to see more closer, more detailed. Yeah. You know, there's Radiologists no, are very soon going to be out of, yeah, out of work. And it's just insane, dude. And then you look, I mean, to be fair, the only industry that won't be affected by AI is the creative industry. Correct. That's it. Correct. So if to a in, point, they, they're saying that there are things, I don't know if you saw the, the, the Burger King <laughs> tastes <no>. like bird. <laughs> They asked they asked AI to come up with a whole bunch of payoff lines and so on. And one of the best ones was their chicken burger that just uh, plain and simply said "taste like bird," Brilliant. <laughs> which was I loved it. Yeah, I think Look, it was I awesome. Mean, it's literal. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but that's but that's what they yeah. say. I mean, they say like if you're if you're creating you know, you know content and story and stuff, mm. AI is going to battle it. Yeah, but for how long? You know, correct. For but that's, that poses an interesting question, right? Both from both a consumer individual pers- uh, perspective, but also from an, at an organizational tribal level you know which is what if this actually well when it transpires it's not a case of if it's when Mm. now uh, but if you're looking at an organization uh, that's largely driven through uh, rpa which is kind of where you're you're playing that is um, then what does that imply for a workforce that can't find jobs Mm. and more broadly uh, what does that imply for the human race in the Correct. sense of, well, what would we do yes. with ourselves? And you know, well, I There's think a bit of a moral dilemma there, isn't there? Yeah, but it's, it's interesting, right? Because we come from this whole system that's been, you know, it's capitalism. You Correct. know, obviously there's different sort of ideologies that have been tried and failed. And, you know, some like socialism, for instance, is aspects of that and capitalism yes. in various countries and whatever. But fundamentally, capitalism... Uh, I mean, there's a huge movement for, in universities in the States now, which is Marxism, right? Which is mm. basically saying that capitalism is broken. You know, you got the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, mm. or however you say that properly. Yes. Um, and so it always creates the disadvantaged. Um, 
And so you've got corporates which are essentially making the rich get richer, basically. Mm. And that, that's basically the, the dilemma, yeah. right? I so, mean, from if so if it changes, that di- I mean, it's kind of like saying, well, concepts like universal basic income can easily be amazing. solved. You know, I, mean, I, I love that idea just by the way. Yeah, it's amazing. I think it's incredible. Project Ubu. I don't know that. It's a local play actually. Okay. They're trying to solve UBI. UBI. Wow. But I mean, concepts like that, in other words, if you could put the collective intelligence and consciousness towards initiatives like that because suddenly you're able to. Correct. Like you're talking about entirely, what's hard for the average person to understand and even for me, and you know, it's just that you're talking about fundamental paradigm shifts that you just can't get your head around. It's like you understand one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, but you don't understand two, four, sixteen, and then another seven iterations yeah. or whatever to get to a thousand. Yeah. yeah. It's so, I mean, what we've experienced in terms of our clientele and so on. So, all of our clients are actually big blue chip corporates. And when we go and see them and show them what we're doing with with RPA, and if people don't know what that means, it's a robotic process automation. So it's taking workflows, and I mean, what we do is is often we circumvent or shortcut a lot of the workflows and just connect directly because we've got a, a RESTful API to the the single point. Um, in terms of a database or data structure or whatever we're kind of calling and so on and just connecting our gear and that gear to get the quickest response. So it doesn't interfere with anyone else or a person or any other type of workflow. So we're shortcutting everything. So we're augmenting the experience of people that work at these businesses. So in many ways, the people working at the businesses are so happy because they no longer need to walk up two flights of stairs to speak to someone to tick a box somewhere um, that just seems so mundane and it's just boring and wastes their time. They've got far more important things to do, and they really do. Um, so there's that one side of it where we're augmenting it for a, a really good experience and so on for internal staff. But then comes the other side of it. As it progresses, you might then be making certain people null and void because the person that needed to tick the box upstairs no longer needs to tick the box. And for the corporate, there's a mandate by government and so on to empower private sector to employ people. And that's where everything uh, you know, kind of hangs in the balance. And then on the other side of all of this, you have the shareholders in these big businesses that what do they want? They want return. So you're getting all these pe- people talking about future proofing their business, future forward, all, all of this type of um, thinking that's going in, into it. And not only that, um, in terms of corporates, we are now seeing countries do it as well. Singapore and China are single handedly basically changing their, their, their entire infrastructure of their countries to adopt AI and machine learning to become better countries. I mean, I don't know if any of you guys have heard about this, but China ran a pilot two years ago and has been ranking citizens in in one of their cities. And soon they will roll out a ranking system um, for citizens. And over the next couple of years, I think they're putting – in over 2 million cameras. Um, they will use face, facial recognition to realize who you are, what you're doing, um, and they will start barring you from doing certain things or f- basically having access to public transport if you're a thief or whatever it is. That is mental. 
in terms of how you see it affecting a person in a company, affecting a a business or a corporate, and now even affecting um countries and countries the size of China, for instance. I mean, what are they? One point four billion uh, people? Crazy, yeah. Mav can research that. Yeah. For us. Yeah. So look, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting time, right? And I suppose True. what's, what's really interesting about you guys is that you were the early adopters. And Correct. I actually remember when we first met was in the elevator. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it was a great, it's a hot day in the elevator. It was. But, um, yeah, it, uh, we, we, I, I was actually as head of innovation for, for TWA or whatever, I was fucking around with chatbots. Correct. And we were chatting and you were like, Oh, I'm also building chatbots. Yes. Remember, that feels yeah, like yeah, a absolutely. Ago. Yeah, it does. A lot changed, like, and, and then you went on to say, like, well, let's talk about your other businesses. So there's in Josie, you've been running for how many years? Yes, now? Uh, eleven. Okay, a long 11 time. Now, and then yes. you run the biggest audio production company in in, in the country, yeah, yeah, Africa, maybe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and then what I found really compelling about your argument was just how big your balls were to get a part of this market, right? Because <laughs> yeah. because you shut down your business for Correct. how for how long? So we we closed in Josie for six weeks total. Um, and basically output it as much as we could. We outputted, um, some of the videos we might show you today. Um, so we had to come up with a name, a naming convention. We had to brand it. We had to do all the explainer videos, build the website, start building all the, all the tech and so on, do all the back end, front end work and so on. And yeah, basically release a, a product. Um, in min, min time, you know. And what did so, you tell your clients? Sorry, guys. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're I look back shop. and I think I was a bit nuts, to be honest. Like it just seemed insane. But, um, I mean, we we I think our timing was just good, and um, we're in in between a, a, a lot of projects and kept a small team on the side that just kind of kept things running in the background, um, just so that we could get everything done. But. I miscalculated a couple of things. I'll take you through yeah, this. So, okay. Pain. So, so ba- if we take a look at the, the basic startup cost of that, I reckon we, s- we spent about a bar, um, in those first kind of like two, three months in terms of like getting it up and running and so on. I mean, it's cost us a lot more since then. So we, s- we spent a lot more money since then, but, um, things that, that I didn't calculate for. Number one is, um, did all the calculations. And said to myself, great, we can close for six weeks. But what I didn't calculate was the time it would take in Josie to get back up and running from stopping all the work, basically. Okay, so that was a miscalculation. So to ramp the business back up to where it was. The second miscalculation was what it would actually take to get a new business off the ground. And we were chatting about this earlier. So you walk into things and go, cool, I've been successful in two other businesses. I'm going into my new venture. People are going to react well to this. Do you swear on this show? People don't give a shit, okay, who you are, what you've done before. The new venture has to prove itself and earn the trust of its clients. Mm. And um, I forgot. I had one of my, my mentors come through um, that had just met me. I went through the accelerator, thanks to you as well. Um, and one of the oh, mentors, yes, yes, yes. yes. Thank you for that. Pat. <laughs> Matt, um, so pat yourself <laughs> on the back there. Um, so he came through. He took a look at the operation that I had within Josie and um, an audio militia. And he looked at me and he said, like, what the hell are you doing? Mm. 
Like, what are you doing? You've got businesses here. Yeah. But what I'd, what I'd learned through my businesses was that Injozi is a service business. Okay. We, we work for every hour we get paid for. Okay. Then Audio Militia taught me that we're basically a publishing and service business or licensing and service business. So we are able to earn portions of passive annuity through, through royalties and so on, you know, selling music and licensing thereof and so on, which interested me. And then what I wanted to do was build something that was basically an annuity model or licensing business with a service uh, portion to it. So I'm building a technology company, a software business. We are not, Gotbot is not a service business. So we're building a platform that people can use and they basically rent it from us in plain and simple English. But SAS back to the point. Yeah, SAS, exactly. But the, the point is to get that up and running was a complete and utter miscalculation by myself. Then another thing is we got drunk on our own Kool-Aid. Okay. <laughs> so we release um, uh, Gotbot Get It. And maybe during this portion we'll, we can show the, yeah, the let's, video uh, and so Let's on. get the video. <clears throat> so this was… Our first take. Oh, it's 1.3 um, billion. You're 0.86. You're actually very close. Okay. So it's just off. Okay. Ch that's the China stat. Oh, that's scary. Hi, I'm Craig Collins, the CEO of Cradle Technology and the developers of Granite Wells Management. Working with the digital kung fu team and Matt Brown has been amazing. Um, their responsiveness is just brilliant. They always get back to you so quickly and the quality of their output is brilliant. So really enjoying working with them and really enjoying what we're doing and going forward. I think we've got a great future. So this must be, so go to, this is the next product. So we made three products. Go to Gotbot. Yeah, go to Gotbot, get it. The very first one. There we go. What are the differences between these three? So basically, um, Gotbot, get it is a system that works in social commerce. So you are able to purchase anything you want through a chatbot service, through things like Facebook Messenger and and Telegram and all these all these wonderful um, networks and so on, messaging networks. Um, and basically, what we've done is we've also built a point of sale system. Um, and that, that takes your order, feeds it through and the barista or the, the store, or whatever can get your water or your coffee or your sandwich ready. Um, and then as you walk in, we can give it to you or deliver it to you or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So it's just another form of, of being able to order something. But the, the system does a, a couple of like really smart things. One is that it starts tracking your, your orders. And once you've ordered something more than three times, it suggests that this becomes your usual order. So you don't need to go through. That's the machine learning part of it. Does it serve ads? No. Yes. <laughs> but it belongs to, you know, a client, you know, in this, in this case, we did it with the grind coffee company who are, there's a guy by the name of Dane Levenrad. Um, and he was, um, part of the founding team and um, he's also responsible for coffee in a cone so i don't know if you know about that no. most instagram coffee in the world yeah. um and yeah he's done really really well really? for himself yeah yeah so so we, we did a whole bunch of stuff like this um I'll, I'll give you another example at stream two years ago what you could do is you could arrive we did this in conjunction with facebook africa themselves um you would arrive, you could uh, take your phone out, you could scan a QR code. The QR code would then open up a messaging service. It would introduce itself. You could then order your coffee 
um, through the service. And because it was at Spear Wine Estate, uh, we integrated into what three words? So we could find you within three square meters of where you were standing. At a festival. At a festival, basically, at a, at a conference that's all based basically mm. outdoors and so on. You talk under mm. tents and, and marquees and all of these things and in, you know, kind of old farmhouses and so on. So like really, really interesting that we were able to do that. And people loved it. I mean, mm. I mean, there are only 300 people that come to this conference worldwide. Okay. And at peak, we're taking uh, 67 um, orders per hour. Sure. That's, that's a lot for 300 people. Oh. It's a lot of coffee. That is a lot of coffee. So you were drinking your own Kool-Aid, huh? Yeah, we were drinking our own Kool-Aid, man. And we thought we had this product, we had it sussed, all of it. And then started realizing that a lot of the the big fast food brands, the guys that we're aiming at, a lot of them just simply don't have Wi-Fi in stores. That's a bit of a problem, isn't yeah. it? You know? And then we thought, oh, you know, some of these big businesses, they'll they'll probably have one or two points of sale systems. No, they range between seven and fourteen points of sale systems. What? When, when you speak to a famous brand, okay, they got over two thousand stores. Okay. Mm. And some of these businesses they've bought, some of them are franchised. So their, their business model is very, very complicated and they are just massive. Now imagine going out, you need an army to get Wi-Fi into their stores, basically. Mm. We were drinking our own Kool-Aid, but very, very quickly we realized that that we need a pivot because this is going to take us a lot of money to get off the ground, more money than I had already spent. Mm. So we pivoted because we were talking to people in our environment and so on, and then we started noticing um, a lot of problems. And one of the main problems was is that we realized it took us six months to build the system. And every person we went to that is interested in RPAs or conversation automation, basically the game that we play in or machine learning, um, they wanted a bespoke solution. They, their problem, each business has their own problem that they need to solve. And we realized what we needed to do was build a platform that allows our customers to build what they need to solve their problems. And that's when we built custom care. Basically, so you, so become a protocol rather than the application itself. Correct, yeah. correct, or a platform mm. to allow them to do whatever they needed to do. Yeah. So I suppose you have a series of APIs that people just plug into. Exactly. Depending on what the need is. Yes, that's it. Okay. That's it. Well, that's that's fascinating. But um, let's talk about. So you're doing a cool aid, and then <laughs> this is the thing. You know, most startups, it's like, well, we're gonna build this thing, and then. Yeah. But they don't have any market feedback. Absolutely. You know? So the, the biggest lesson out of that that I learned was test your own assumptions. Don't drink your own Kool-Aid. Don't think this is it because the market will very quickly tell you that, that you know, you're high on your own supply. <laughs> <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> but, in um, this case, it was. In this case, it was horrible, yeah. But, but mind you, I was the same, hey? Yeah. I mean, what this business was when it was trying to be a podcast-only business. Remember? Yeah, I remember it really, really um, well, actually. So, I mean, yeah, you are part of my mastermind group at the time. Um, and it was because I fell in love with my own solution, which yeah. was the Matt Brown Show and podcasting. I was yeah. like, yeah, well, if it works for me, then surely it will work for everybody else. But you can have the best product in the world. If the market's not prepared to pay you for that product, then, you know, you've, you don't Spot have a on. business. So, what, Q? Oh, uh, is it? Okay. Um, yeah, so, but, but that's a really important lesson, right? Mm. Um, 
But let's talk about startup boot camps. So yeah. I connected you to Zach. Zach's been on the Correct. show a couple of times. Stuart van der Fee and also, yes. you know. If it's so Stu and Zach have been instrumental okay. in terms of helping us. But why startup boot camp? Because when I connected you, I was like, well, at, at the time, it was kind of like you had this product and you yes. just wanted to see what the appetite was for Correct. this thing. You know? Correct. To your point, it was a process of actually yeah. testing a lot of assumptions Correct. in a period of how many weeks? 12 weeks? Uh, yeah, Eight so weeks? it runs for three three months, three so 12 months. weeks. Yeah. yeah, It's very short, so they kind of compare it to doing like an MBA on steroids. So mm-hmm. it was quite stressful and so on. So I'll tell the let's, story. Yeah, let's go. Basically. Yeah. So Matt, you phone me and you say, listen, I met this guy and he needs to speak to you kind of thing. So I get on the phone with Zach, um, who's the CIO, the Chief Investment Officer of Startup Bootcamp. And he says to me, Nick, you need to come to PwC tomorrow um, and pitch your business. Uh, Matt says you're a crazy dude with a crazy idea, but he thinks it's going to work. So I played. You had a cool hat collection. (laughs) Yes, yes. I did have a cool hat collection back then. And um, so, Zach, I say to Zach, no, because I've got six meetings the next day. This guy's calling me at three o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. So, do you drop everything? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, he. He basically says to me, dude, just, just see what you can do and come in, even if we fit you in last, you know, in the last session. So I canceled two of my internal meetings and I ended up, uh, end up going and I don't know anything about this thing. I don't know what an accelerator is. I don't know what angel investors are. I don't know what VCs are. I don't know what LPs are. I don't know anything. Greenhorn, essentially. Yeah, absolute. Absolutely. So I walk in there, um, and I, and I pitch it and I pitch our product. I walk out and everyone says to me, well done. You're actually the only guy that demonstrated the power of your product. And um, long story short, we make it into the top. So there, there are about 500 businesses from 43 countries that participate. We get into the top 100. Then they interview us, top 40, make it to top 20. At top 20, I go in and all these people have flown in from Europe. There are 120 um, delegates there from, from all the corporate sponsors, everyone from Woolworths to RCS, BMP Paribas, um, Nedbank, you know, all these massive corporates, PwC, all of them are there. And I go, wow, this is actually quite a serious thing. So we do it, we get in and the accelerator, um, basically have a week. I move from Joburg to Cape Town. Organize everything, leave my businesses, which freaked me out. I'm sure you so can. You're either, saying, wait, you're either closing your businesses or leaving them entirely. No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't close <laughs> them. They, I'm just you leaving them. To build yeah, but that, 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 but that, but that was, you know, the year before. Uh, oh, so, right. So you did yeah, do it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. So we did that the year before. So now <laughs> this is one year later and basically moved to Cape Town and go through the accelerator. And it's a, an awesome, uh, experience for me because one of the things that I took out of it was I, I kind of tell you why I worked so hard. Um, cause I did, I really, I was in beast mode when I went through that accelerator. I was, I was in beast mode because I, at the top 20, there was this guy from Nigeria from a company called Dr. Lex and they had a, a chatbot service that, that helps people with medical conditions and so on and i could take a look at the the idea and the tech and all of that and i was like this is a really good idea but his tech doesn't work so well but my tech would work well for him and so on but when they chose the top 10 he wasn't selected and i looked at this guy and i was like i am so fortunate Mm. i have i have other businesses that have done well i have a home a beautiful wife i've got a car i've got all of these things this guy's probably lived a brutal life you know, um, come up from nothing 
And when I saw his face, I was like, I am going to work so hard because this guy didn't get the opportunity to, yeah, to do what I'm now doing. So I let that like kind of drive me, um, and work the way that he would work, um, and take the opportunity. And yeah, it was just beast mode the whole way. We did really, really well. We were, um, their, their first signing. Uh, we're also the first to, to raise capital. Um, we're in the midst of that at the moment and, um, learned a lot, but I also learned a couple of things. One is that there's a difference between an entrepreneur and someone with an idea. Everyone has ideas. Everyone. What makes the difference is execution. You know what I mean? And how much force, how, how willing are you? We have this saying at, at, at Enjosi and it goes, kill your darlings. So kill the things you love. Don't drink your own Kool-Aid, you know? So, and that was it. It's like, kill your darlings and move on. All the assumptions I'd made, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done. We're moving forward. We've pivoted, changed. Um, we listened to the market and we've got a really good little business now, you know, and we want to grow it into, into a monster. You know, that, that's what I want to do. Okay. So, um, what else stands out for you about Startup Bootcamp? I mean, what are some of the other benefits? Cause I, I, think, I mean, I've got a lot of startups, yeah. tech founders that listen to the show. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them, they, you know, for me, there's just a lot of movement in the startup ecosystem Correct. here. There's Correct. no one conducting the orchestra, mm. but there's certainly a lot of initiatives that are underway. Correct. Microsoft Head Start, we launched mm. uh, a month ago. You know, we've just done all their campaign content for next year. Um, well done. Thank you. It's thank awesome, you. There's, awesome there's Standard Bank, you yeah. know, uh, with their incubator. You mentioned plug and play. We'll yes. Get into that in a second. But yes. Also, you know, Nedbank, yeah. corporate investment bank. Correct. Stuart's also involved in them and they're he also is. doing stuff, you know, yeah. agri-tech and all yeah. that kind of stuff. There's just a laundry list of, of brands and initiatives and incubators. And, if, and I speak under correction, but I think Africa's got more incubators slash accelerators than anywhere else in the world. Like, well, but, but like, uh, that not, I not know. like by a little. By a lot. A lot. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's Race Corp, Elon Rays, mm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, the I know first, well. first one ever. Um, and then started boot camp and so Correct. forth. I mean, in your, in your opinion, how does one decide, well, which one is actually worth its salt? Yeah. I think that's a really, really difficult question, um, to answer. I think you've got to take a look at what everyone's offering. Some guys, um, offer small cash injections. Some guys, um, Offer that, but want equity. Some guys just run you through their, their, their program. And then what happens there is that they, they take, um, you know, a commission basis on whatever you raise or whatever it is. There's so many different, um, kind of ways of doing it and so on. Um, I think what's for me, it's, it's also just dependent on what you're doing. And what I mean by that is, are you a B2B business? Are you a B2B2C business? Or are you just a B2C business? Um, and I think that that's where you can start leveraging what I think that's probably possibly my, my main piece of advice. That's what that should be the foundation of how you choose an accelerator. What a lot of the guys are doing with, um, plug and play, startup bootcamp, all of these guys. What they do is if you're a B2B2C or B2B business, they take you and they basically show you how to pipeline into a corporate, how to talk to a corporate, how do corporates actually work. Um, if you don't know how corporates work, a lot of them are extremely slow in terms of… A lot of them? The, all mo- of them. Okay. 
most most of them are slow but then we've got mm-hmm. guys like BMP Paribas or RCS who yeah, yeah. who have been incredible we've sat with them and spoken about what do we need to deliver we put our team aside they put their team aside and we run it you must see some of the technology that we've actually put into this business and at pace at speed and only because they are thinking like a startup but they have corporate governance on their side, which we don't have. So they've got a lot of kind of cues to go through um, in terms of taking things live. But the way they reacted to how we worked was absolutely brilliant. That's great to hear. It really is. It was amazing. Because usually you hear horror stories. I mean, Zach, Zach um, you know, when he was first on the show, he said to me that, um, you know, startups go to corporates to die. mm you know, SnapScan should have been a unicorn, you know, the first, first one from Africa. And then, you know, what happened to it? It's not used at markets. Yeah. You know, where, where did the, where is the scale? There do you, do you, do you not think they can do it? Still. Yeah. Uh, I, I use SnapScan. I think it's an incredible I think it's product. I use it all the time. Yeah. But, but why? It's about I mean, adoption. But, they, but when did they got, they got bought? Like 2006 or something crazy. Really? Or maybe, can you just Jeez, Google that I don't actually? Know. Snapscan acquisition standard bank. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was years ago, dude. Like this world, the financial payment space in, in South Africa, in the mobile pay, sorry, in Africa, there are more mobile payments. I think 52% of yes. all the world's mobile payments companies are in Africa. Yeah. So you've got major issues here. If, yeah. Well, if you Snapscan, well then, hello, you know, there's a window on everything, right? You yeah. know this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look at, look at, look at what Startup Bootcamp took in this cohort this year. It was all in fintech and all mainly payment gateways because it, whoever's going to win that is going to win big. But also that's where the scale comes from, Correct. right? So I mean, Correct. B2B to C wasn't a thing. No. Um, and, and if you even, I think I speak in the correction also, but, B2B to C is mainly an emerging economy thing. Correct. It's not an American thing. America, like, let's just say if you're in a developed economy like America or the UK or whatever, if you want scale, you have scale. Everyone's running around with smartphones. Yeah. You know, so, it, you know, as a startup, if you want scale, it's kind of like, well, I want 6 million customers overnight. How do I do that? Well, you go and speak to Standard Bank or you go and speak to another bank or yeah. another RCS or BMP yeah. Parabas, you know, so, so B2B to C is not actually how you scale. Correct. So, Which is what we're doing. Yeah, basically. But, but you've got to have the right partner at that level, yeah. though, right? So, but also, I think what's affecting your your kind of argument here is like, and we were speaking about this outside as well, is the fact that South Africa's market is not that big. We're basically call it whatever 60, 60 million people here. Um, when you move across our borders, there are one point two billion people on the continent, and you take a look at a country like Nigeria that is smaller in 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 actual. Um, size, but in terms of population, they f- basically four times the size of what South Africa is. You know, yeah, you're stuck in this paradigm. You Correct. know, when I was in New York, um, and I met a lot of the startups in Barclays Tech Stars and mm. in, in Rise there. And what was really interesting for me is like every single one of them are, are certainly not thinking local. Well, they, in other words, they are, but their lo- their ambition is always global so it's like so let's take our client forward lane right so they're in the business of financial intelligence and crunching financial information at scale so that you can provide as a financial consultant investment banker a standardized and customized and bespoke service to an entire order book of clients not just your top 10 
ultra high net worth individuals, right? So New York is the financial capital of the world. So for them, it makes sense to think local, but their scale, their ambition is very much not just one bank. Correct. Like there's, you know, there's a Cowan investment bank, you know, $20 billion Mm. investment bank that alone, imagine what that would mean for them as a bank. Correct. But now imagine how many other invest. You don't like this. The, I don't think we all always fall into this idea that the market isn't as big as what we believe it could be. Correct. And and that's a sin. And so it's like think local, but scale global. Always yes. be thinking that it's bigger. You know, yeah. this is why you know we're, our ambition is to open up an office in the states next yes. year because it's just so big. Correct. You know, and it's so obviously big. Yeah. You know, and it's great that there's competition there because mm. it can it can support that competition. Well, competition often means there's a market. Is why why is everyone in it? Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. That's another thing I learned is that is that if you're doing someone and no one else is doing it, either you're a genius or you're you an you're an idiot because why isn't someone else doing it i mean there's a theory that when you have an epiphany or an idea they say that you know around about another million people in the world have had the The same same thought or idea now what does that boil down to it boils down to who's going to actually follow through and who's going to execute best well that's why they call it first loser advantage it's like hey we first okay great we're going to watch you fail and learn from all your mistakes and then we're going to come eat your lunch absolutely you know what i mean yeah because that's basically that's why i say like i love the idea of like there's only two things that really matter in any business and that's marketing and innovation that's it yeah you know and so like marketing is the process of either protecting something or essentially uh, protecting yourself against a market threat, yes, or you're trying to execute against an opportunity. So it's a land grab. Correct. So if you're in a business of like, well, hey, let's just take AI and chatbots. You're certainly not the only chatbot company. Definitely it's not. Like, it's like I don't know. Like, there are a lot. It's like cryptocurrencies. There's yeah. thousands and thousands mm. and thousands of potential yeah. coins, you know, mm. and tokens and so forth. So how do you remain relevant? relevant? Yeah, absolutely. So for us, what we've done is, I mean, we've definitely. Um, sided on the almost the side of the corporate because we've realized that some corporates are so big that um, they have more staff than some companies have customers. <laughs> when you break it down like that, it's actually scary. Yeah. And they've got tons of problems internally. So we are solving a lot of that type of work for them. And then we're also solving it for them on on their client front because they've got even more clients than what they obviously have employees, basically. You know what I mean? There's, there's some banks in here that literally have millions of people as their clientele. Mm. Well, like know your customer, for Correct. instance. So KYC is a billion-dollar problem for a bank like Standard Bank, for instance, because yes. they just don't know who the hell you are. Yes. You know, so there you are with your, I mean, maybe you can walk us through an actual use case. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we've got a couple of different use cases, but um, one of the ones we had, um, one of our clients has a massive um, call center. Um, they offer loans and so on. Sorry, so I don't disclose often who they are and so on, just we under NDAs and so on. But they have a massive call center and what ends up happening is, is people phone into the call center, ask mainly five questions, about 60% of that are five questions around statements, how much do they owe, what's the lending rate and so on and so forth. Um, and we were able to automate that 
um, for them through a chatbot service on their website and through Facebook Messenger and so on. So people could now get their statements basically on demand and not have to go through a call center that basically to go through that with a vetting process takes six minutes and that call center closes, you know, at five o'clock. You can arrive at our service and basically um, ask whatever you want and you can receive your, your statement 24 seven. And it's, it's, it's assisting you basically the whole time you go through, going through it. And we do it in 43 seconds. So it's, it's basically taking a look at this, this whole thing of people that want, uh, what immediate satisfaction, what, what do they call it? Instant gratification. Instant gratification. Thank you. Immediate satisfaction. Wow. <laughs> Same thing. I your <laughs> so, so for instance, that's, that's a, a portion of it. There's, there's another product that we've built that people come in and apply through our system that's fully automated for a loan. And what people don't realize is as soon as they put in their ID number in the background, they continue filling out the form and so on, is that we have gone and done a credit check on them. Basically come in and then provisionally book them for a loan. Mm. Now, we are able to process, like we, we did 11,000 of those in a week. I mean, that's a, like to get someone a phone to do 11,000 people in a yeah. week is, that's a tall order. I don't care how big your call center is. Yeah. So we were able to, to then vet them to that point. Um, they're able then to be provisionally booked. And then from there, we serve, um, different forms basically, but it's all done through conversation. And by the end of it, people can upload all the information and get a loan, get a credit card, get whatever they want without ever speaking to a human being. Well, well, this is this is the power of this sort of tech, right? Correct, correct. But I guess you know, I just find it interesting that you know we just don't understand the implications of that. Yeah. Like, imagine what you would be worth if you could legitimately solve a KYC problem with a billion. Yeah. A billion. Yeah. That's just one bank. Correct. Now, I mean, BNP Parabas, yeah. fifth largest bank in the yeah. world. I mean, holy shit. Yeah. What is that? How, what is the size yeah. of that problem? And what's huge? You know, that's it's huge. That's why I say, like, you know, start, startups and corporates have to work together. Yeah. You know, and this is, you know, when we launched this Netflix style season for Ford Lane in New York, mm. um, I mean, we, we were interviewing the head of Barclays Global Innovation, you know, oh. um, guys from the Oppenheimer Fund, you know. Mm. Uh, it was just incredible to see how much collaboration there actually is in the space. Because if, if you don't, as a corporate, if you're not collaborating with startups, <laughs> like, you're going you're gonna to wind up in shit yeah. at some point. I want to tell you a quick story Go about that. Um, we had a situation, again, won't name names, but um, we're busy working um, through Startup Bootcamp. One of the corporates comes to us and says to us, cool, so we want X, Y, and Z done. Um, if you don't do this, be sure that we will do it. Like so Almost like a they're threat. They're saying you, telling Yes, you. telling us. Like, so either you guys, you know, we, this is the problem we need solved and so on. So, Nick, we're giving you the opportunity to help us on this. And if you, if you don't, then we will do it. So we will build the in-house capabilities and so on. And um, just the the approach to me was wrong, like being a startup and so on. There's like a different way of approaching it and so on. And um, uh, we took on other projects and so on. And uh, six months later, guess who came back? <laughs> they couldn't pull it off. Yeah. And it's happened to us not once, not twice, not three, like multiple times where people say, no, 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 we're investigating this technology. 
we think we can do it. And you're like, go for it. Go for it. You've got a couple of million rands to throw at this problem. That's great. Well, this is why I say… And you're not going to do it as well as us. Well, no, exactly. But this is the thing, right? So, it's like they're drinking their own Kool-Aid. Yes, actually. correct. <laughs> There's a Kool-Aid problem on the show. Um, so, Standard Bank bought uh, Firepay or Snafscan in 2014. That's four years ago. Yeah. That's a lifetime. Yeah, it? it is. It is. I mean, our platform's only been up for, like I said, 15 months. So, it's like, Yeah. But still, I love the product. I love I the brand. Good. I love the guys behind it as well. I think they yeah. have done great things, you know. This is Mark Keating from Sales Guru, and I've been very fortunate to have worked with Matt and his team from Digital Kung Fu for the last several months. I chose Matt and his team to really tell my story as a speaker and looking also at Sales Guru's story as a sales training organization. And probably the biggest thing outside of the amazing quality of their work is really the service that Matt and his team go far beyond any expectations that I've had so far. And I'd highly recommend them to any organization or individual looking for quality content and assistance. Shall we play a game? Yeah, why not? Are we going to play a game, guys? So what game are we playing? So this game is like 30 seconds. You each are going to get a piece of paper. And on that paper, there's going to be a word written to Christmas. And you have to describe it to the other person in 30 seconds. Okay. Okay. Cool. This is a fun game. Are Never done it before yet. <sighs> yeah, let's do this. Okay. Okay. So are you guys timing us? Cool. Are we ke- and he's ke- someone can keep score. I'm super competitive, by the way. Watch out. Okay. Complete this. Uh, can we go? Complete the sentence. Sweet. Uh, it's like the stork used to bring these things with, you know, the stork used to bring them, dude. That's what women ba- make. Babies? Yes. Sweet babies. Sweet and then. Baby. And the guy from the Bible. Oh my fucking god! Sweet baby, Jesus. Yes, well done. Okay, great. Guy from the Bible. Also, the thing you sit on and you go down in a snow, uh, snow a sled, kind of. Uh, uh, It's another word for a sled. uh, Same, very close. Okay, sled, a ski, a board, a. Oh, do we only get thirty seconds for all of that? That I thought it was per. Okay. Okay. So sleigh was the was the answer. What did I say? Sled. 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 Oh crap! Sorry. It's fine. It's your fault. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let me go for it with you. Okay. Um, Often what women wear on their legs. Stockings. Excellent. Um, People wear it. It's almost like, um, I can't say it. It's it's a piece of clothing that you put on, but people uh, often wear not so nice ones. Like during Christmas? Oh, uh, it's a really difficult no, that's one. Difficult. What are the little guys that help uh, Father Christmas called? Elves. Yes. Um, the stuff that falls from the sky Snow. during... Yes. Time. Um, oh, okay. Yes. It was ugly sweaters. <laughs> I was oh, trying really? to get out of it. Ugly sweaters. I'll, I'll Jesus. To explain okay. that. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I won that again. round, yeah? Yeah. Okay. But I don't Definitely. know. Do you get the credit because you asked better? You set I, it up better? I, I have no know. idea how this works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My first time, man. Okay, cool. We'll be general. So the thing you put around uh, a Christmas tree? Tinsel? Yeah, that stuff, yeah. Um, the thing that the tinsel goes on? The, the just, you just said it. Just tinsel? Said it. No, no, no. Tree? Yes, but the full name. Tinsel tree? <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas tree? Uh, you're a tinsel tree, dude. <laughs> 
It's like a it's like a present gifting thing where you don't know who uh, gives you the presents, but you do it as part of a group. Oh, that's secret Santa. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, not the the freezing part Time. of the north. Where Yana's going? South Pole. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe that the oh, South yeah. Pole. What's she doing? No, she's making money. Okay, cool. South Pole. okay shall we go? Okay, so um the guy that really hates Christmas. He hates it. He's Grinch. like uh, Greg. No, like almost Grinch. <laughs> yes, yes. There we go. Awesome. <laughs> Greg hates Christmas. Um you you put it around um uh, around the Christmas Lights. tree and it works Christmas with uh, the, and it's <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> hey? is it's a flying a, little a, pers- person. A flying reindeer. No, no, no. Uh, it's a little person that flies and lights a go around. Oh, the Christmas- fairy. Yes. Fa- the Christmas whole thing. Fairy. No, no. Oh, fuck's uh, sakes. Fairy. The Christmas time. Yeah, and uh, oh. fairy lights. <laughs> <laughs> we are so yeah, shit at this. I like that. That was my <laughs> attempt at a fairy. This is the international <laughs> sign for fairy. But a, uh, you know, okay. a, well, that was great. Well done. Real Round of applause for, Chris, uh, for, yeah. for Nick. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. That was hilarious. So, yeah. <laughs> that was meant to be serious after yeah, that. Now we're okay. back into business. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, what have you learned about scaling up here? Because mm. it, a lot of, you know, we all, I suppose, it comes down to the entrepreneur. Mm. If you know why you want to scale or not, that's where you start. Correct. If you do want to scale, then what are, what have you learned in that process? Sure. Like, what is the attitude? Like you mentioned, start a boot camp helps you to engage with corporates yes. and understand well, yes. how do you position yourself and your product offering to to so, help solve a big problem yeah. for them and stuff. Yeah. I mean, scaling up. What have you learned in the process of scaling up? Your so, so I mean, from our side, I think what I've learned is that. I mean, going into it, I knew we had a, a really good idea, okay? But the whole thing with tech is if someone has a lot of money, you know, there's a great possibility, a greater possibility is that they're going to catch up with you. And and I don't know how we figured it out early on, but but we had something that very few people had actually thought about. Um, and now to, to scale that idea, you need a couple of things. Number one, I think um, when you start internally, you've got to make sure that your product is actually built to scale. Because a lot of devs approach something and they don't think about anything in terms of load balancing or, or the way the, the tech actually, how, how we fire up an instance, for instance, of our tech. Um, is it a massive palaver or do I just click a button and everything is automated? It's, so we spent a lot of time just being able to click that button and just automating an entire instance. That's where a lot of our money went in. So if you start at the product, it's about the tech and can the tech actually scale? Have we written it in the, in the right languages? Are we using the, the right server infrastructure, the right architecture to do it? These are, these are fundamentals. Okay, and we went and got a, a lot of advice from the guys like AWS. We've been sponsored for the first two years of our business. That again helps us scale. Then I think uh, once you get your product right, and you got to spend a lot of time on that. I think what you concentrate on next is your internal team. So, I think your first few hires, as a as a startup, are possibly the most important hires you will ever make. Um, we um, uh, employed a guy by the name of uh, Craig McLeod, who's become our ops director. And, I mean, this guy has been 
instrumental in terms of what we've done and he will now you know form part of the the core team and and have shares in the business and all of that he he'll be a partner in the business so what you're looking for are are very very capable people that are actually better at their jobs than what what you are you know i mean his his background just um complements my background so much you know he comes from a tech background he understands how to scale software he understands how big corporates work and so on so i think you've got to concentrate massively there then uh, once you get your product and then your team right i think it's about how you go to market and how we speak about this a lot about perception you often get these small little companies but they present themselves like these big ideas and so on um you know how do i walk into a client, okay, and I'll just, uh, you know, some of our clients are the likes of, of, uh, Toyota, RCS, BMP Paribas. Um, we work with guys like, like Home Choice, the DA. Um, you know, we've signed big deals with other OEMs, other car brands and, and so on. Um, Stewart Bank. Um, you know, how do we get into the, like, Ned Banks and so on? Just being a startup, you need to, there's a level of trust that you need to get to but th- that that trust in my opinion is coupled with perception or your marketing and so on why would they come to us and use us over building it and trying to build it internally or tr- trying to find someone else so then you've got to match your track record up with the perception of your company um, out in the markets and then i think the marketing of it is is really important and i think scaling there where we've been very effective is that we've been able to deliver a product that works. And then what happens is that the other corporates start speaking to each other and go, Oh, have you heard about this company? And so on, or people move. So there's been a, a very organic shift there. Um, understanding our business as a B2B2C business model. Um, so you got to get that right. And then after that, you kind of start closing the loop by listening to what the market wants, what your clients want. And scaling those ideas by prioritizing those ideas um, in terms of what's best for your business and what's best for the client. Um, and feeding that all the way back in to the product and then adding it to the team and, and so on. So it's like a, a loop almost that you're building. And then in terms of scale, I think the last thing that we've been looking for is is just a lot of money because as any startup, you go into it and you go, okay, we got the idea, we've got everything, um, okay, we got all these projects, now we need to execute all these projects, but we don't have enough people. Like to put perspective on where we are currently as a business, we're, we're executing 35 major project builds or updates or whatever it is um, within the first three months of next year. And that's a lot for a small business to do. Yes, we have scalable tech, but now we need to ramp up. And that's where you need growth capital. And that's where we've gotten to. Basically, is a portion where to scale properly, I need money to help me get a bigger team, a better team to kind of scale it from there. Yeah. I love what you said about perception because mm. I firmly believe that that's mm. what gets you street cred. That's what gets Correct. you in the door or a seat at the table. And branding does that job, you know, and you know, we're doing this sort of thing with Ford Lane. Um, and the other thing that I'll say though, but it only gets you so far in the sense of like, you can have the, you know, I won't mention names here, but there's one startup that we both know quite well. Um, and, uh, has one, I mean, dude, 
it's just a ridiculously long list. It's mm. 30 plus awards. Yes. Um, heavily disruptive. Uh, won all sorts of accolades, World Cup of Startups. And yeah, no, that's not going to last. You know, mm. what's being sold off. Hush, mm. hush. Mm. Um, which is a real crying shame because uh, the founder sent me a post of a corporate, okay, that built a similar thing, mm. not exactly the same, but a similar thing for $100 million, okay? And they were bragging about it. And so this founder was on LinkedIn and she, you know, she sent me the screen capture of this, what she was saying to me. She said, well, we did it for five. Unbelievable. So why wouldn't she just come in you know yeah but i mean the biggest problem there is that you know again it's it's timing you know ai's time is now i mean correct last year it was or beginning of this year it was all bitcoin and crypto correct um and you know even in, in more sort of from a technology perspective blockchain you know but blockchain is it in it, my opinion well it's the that's the big way that's coming yes, right correct but but it's not being spoken, I mean, I spoke to Clive Butko from Kalon, yes. who's one of your backers, yes. um, the other day, and he was saying to me, he's like, dude, no one's talking about it. No mm. one. You know, and he, you not, know, not talking about blockchain. Not talking about blockchain. That's crazy, because yeah. that, that is, if there's another, AI. it is. Um, so it's in timing. my opinion, that's, that's, the, that's the second, or it's, it's happening now, is blockchain. Yeah. I think that's. But the thing with, 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 you talk about scale, right? The reason why blockchain and crypto isn't front and center like, AI is, especially in investment circles. They're looking for AI mm. stuff, not so much blockchain stuff. Um, I mean, they are, but it's, you know, it's very much an AI narrative. Um, and like Ethereum can't scale. Bitcoin can't scale. Yeah. You know, the, the technology can't scale yet. You can scale. You yeah. can do, you know, 60,000 transactions in a day mm. or processes in a day. Um, you know, AI can scale further and farther than what a blockchain solution can right now. Mm. It's not there yet, but mm. when it comes, suddenly it will be, you know, basically what's going to happen, it's going to be like the singularity. I mean, oh, snap. Yeah. The, the singularity's here. Yeah. And everyone's yeah. going to go, holy shit, the world's about to change. Yeah. And then, but with blockchain, it'll be some startup, you know, probably in the finance, fintech space that, uh, solve some problem and it's heavily adoptable. Yeah. And suddenly everyone's going to go, it's like Uber. Yeah. It's going to be like Airbnb yeah. where they went from zero to uh, like a billion dollar yeah. valuation in a year. Yeah. I mean, some crypto exchanges, I, th I can't remember the, the, which one it was in particular. I think it might have been Coinbase. Yeah. Um, but they were like a $2 billion valued company within 12 months i mean it's like you don't like you like the brain can't fathom it, it kind of reminds you of what happened in the the dot com dot bomb kind of era eh? it's like it's it almost seems more short-lived than than that though in, in my opinion what do you mean i mean it just seemed like it kind of came and went in terms of cryptocurrency in a sense you know it was so everyone it was, was talking about it it's still going on so i mean i've invested in, yeah. in 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 some of it and so on but like i don't actually know where it's going so the narrative at the moment is all investment mm. you know it's like there's three phases there's investment mm. then there's use case a so real world utility yes. which we're not there yet yes um, and then there's a one. Then there's the ecosystem level where you've got an entirely new 
paradigm of financial services and transactions that, yes. don't, that are decentralized, that don't involve a centralized institution with no, zero wastage and almost zero fees yeah. and scalability. Yeah. You know, and so it's like if you, if AI was the same. If yeah. chatbots, then it was engines. And Correct. now it's about an ecosystem of AIs like Singularity yes. Net. Yeah. If you look at all these disruptive technologies, that's pretty much the, the It's the, It's exactly the almost like a Gartner's hype chart. There's, yeah. a, there's a tech trigger. That's what happens is something that happens that you can see there's a use case for this. So that's the, the trigger. Then it just rockets and everyone's, everyone's just hyping it. Like this is the next big, big thing and so on. And then it takes a massive dip through what, what do they call it? The, the trough of disillusionment. Yeah, that's it. And, and people are like, no, this, and then it's basically reality check time. And people start going, Oh, I understand. It's not taking all our jobs. It's not doing all these things. It's not going to kill us or whatever it is. Oh, there's actually a really good use case for this. And then from there, the tech starts climbing again. So it does this massive bell curve like that, hits rock bottom and then starts growing Slowly, again. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Organic. And I think, too. and I think that's when people find actual use cases for it. The market finds a use case for it. So it's being adopted. Or what have you. And I think often some things are just a little bit ahead of their time. Often. I mean, the, the iPod came out. It wasn't called the iPod. But, you know, Creative or whoever had made it like 10 years before um, uh, Apple came up with the iPod. So, so how's this, bro? So a couple of things here. Hmm. So, so um, Jeff Bezos is on yes. 60 Minutes. Wow. And he was talking about how he raised his first million dollars. Okay, He gave away 20% of his company. And I think it was 20 investors at $50,000 a pop. I wow. think that did quite well. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But he said for each one, I mean, this was in the 90s. and uh, Where he sold and, books and, on the he, internet. But dude, he said, you know what? It was like this. He went, he says, um, so, but every single one of these, he said he set up 60 meetings and, and took like 20 investors or whatever. And he said at each of those 60 meetings, they all went, what's the internet? <laughs> Unbelievable. So, but think about the wording. What's blockchain? Yeah, it's a revolution right. in in value creation. You know, yeah. and and promises like just like a complete rethink of the systems and everything else and the policies and the fucking regulation yeah. and red tape and stuff that yeah. we've had to deal with. Yeah, it's like a green. It's like a pink slip. Like here you go, mates. Go and redefine <laughs> financial services. <laughs> yes, I will. You yeah. know. Someone, so, some like someone's gonna crack it in the end. Yeah. Know? The other thing, uh, I was watching a documentary on Netflix about Steve Jobs this morning. Yeah. So it's interesting going back through that because if you think about like IBM and people saying, "Oh, the IBM computer is the perfect computer," and he was ousted from, uh, he wasn't even part of Apple, and then he had Next, and he yes. you know, built the essentially the foundations of um, OS as we yeah. know it. Because he also went to. Pixar during that yeah, time. Yeah, he, eh? he basically made that a massive yeah. company. Yes, so he correct. had tons of cash. Yes, yes. So, but when he got back into into to Apple, into Apple mm. he basically said, "No, we only have like a handful of products. There were hundreds." Yes. Um, so he called everything. He called everything, and the, but he needed something to reignite interest in Apple because the narrative around Apple was that it was doomed. It was yeah. done. IBM had won, but the battle of personal computers slash Microsoft at a software level. And so instead of being a hardware company, they were focusing on software, right? Um, and so the product that they launched was the iMac. But the interesting thing there was that the actual components weren't that 
different to the IBM. Mm. It was just packaging. So remember that, like the green and, and the little blue bubbles and the almost. yellow bubble yes. thing. Yeah, yes. It was all packaging. Imprinted in my mind that that computer. Great. I still remember that. Actually. Yeah, I remember. Fuck, I can't afford that. Because you could also because <laughs> the other, the other so, cool thing about the uh, that was that you could you could literally pick it up. Like it had a little handle at the top. You could pick up the entire computer. I mean, you couldn't do that with any of the IBM. Like it was screen and mouse and like all of these things. And that was all packaged in like a little bubble. Yeah. It was awesome. But that was the beauty of it. It was this design thing. Mm. Um, and the way that it was packaged to create a perception that this was the… The, the future. The, well, that this was the best product out there. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's kind of what you've done with your your three product yes you packaged it yeah absolutely you know it's and that's such a valuable thing is around how you package something and then communicate that to the market absolutely and will people understand the value that it brings how do you dumb down something complicated like ai like what's your point of leverage when you're talking to like a corporate do you go hey we can automate customer service at scale do you like where you know like mike Starforce the other day said to me um you know that his leverage with with corporates was well we the company that manages your brand and social media when a crisis happens yes it wasn't about we, hey man we get to build your community and produce content it wasn't it was about we manage your brand during a crisis Got that it. was you know, of all the things one could possibly yeah, say that's, about that's very media. interesting i've never actually thought about it in that in that kind of context um like hard man yeah. we did a player coach session last week i think um and he was saying like what's that thing like create one of our clients, uh, Granite Warehouse Management Solutions. There's lots of things you can talk about in terms of the warehouse and how that software solves this problem. But yes. what's that thing? Yeah. What's the one thing that you hang your hat on and go, hey. And by the way, the thing that people understand. Yeah. Because the other thing I suppose that's been quite challenging for you is that AI feels threatening. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, that came through when we were So, working. I mean, I think, I think one of the main things that we've kind of taken a look at is that um, – our system runs in a couple of different ways, but we're truly augmenting the experience. So um, our system runs in hybrid modes almost in a sense, you know, so you can have a human handover when it doesn't understand and so on. And we can, we can go between, you know, uh, structured data or unstructured data or dynamic data and so on. So you can go from a chat into a form seamlessly. And uh, if you exit it, it will understand where you were while you were filling that, that form out or applying for a loan or getting a card or whatever it was and just slot you straight back into where you were and so on. I think the one thing that, that we've concentrated on massively um, is that we've taken everything that's out there, all these buzzwords and and – Try to take the stigma out of it for people and just be really, really, really honest about where the tech actually is because it's not going to solve all your problems. But there are a couple of key features that we have that we can take a lot of your pain away. And I think that honesty in terms of, you know, this blue sky thinking and all the smoke and mirrors that comes with it because it really is a lot of smoke and mirrors, um, we take all of that away and just show people straight up what the truth is about the technology behind it. You know, um, Craig, uh, our COO said something the other day at a, at a conference where he said, you know, um, everyone's talking about AI and machine learning. It's almost like, like teenage sex. Everyone's doing it, but no one actually knows what they're doing. 
you know, and I think that's actually what's going on. So we're the guys basically guiding some of the, the big corporates um, through some of these processes as well. And then by teaching them and being very honest and upfront about it, they learn to trust us and then they take a look at the gear and they go, yo, this actually solves a lot of our problems, you know. So but I will think about that in, yeah, in greater it. detail. It's yeah. very interesting. Uh, you know, because I, I, I also, for us, I mean, 90% of our client book are tech companies, mm. weirdly. Yeah. And then that balance of that is pharmaceuticals. So, wow. Yeah. So, but why? And, you know, if, if you do, in any scale, you got to have a message that's really simple. Like, yeah. we do, you know, whatever. But I'm going to say, like, we do story storytelling for tech. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean else, we've yeah. got our goals and our vision and our ethos and all of that. We've built all of that out. But um, because it's a platform, as well um that helps people do their kind of bespoke builds whatever they want to do it's a little bit more difficult for us to like pigeonhole exactly what we do because if we look at the way our tech um works for someone like toyota or how it works for an an rcs or Stuart bank everyone uses it differently but that's the beauty of what we've built is allowed people to build what they need you should do something like open source AI yeah. for yeah. X. Yeah, exactly. Or for Y. Yeah. Because that's what it actually is. Mm. Yeah. You know, people used to write off Linux back in the day. Remember? Yeah. It runs every iPhone. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's just taken over. You know, so yeah. Microsoft, I mean, they, they move very firmly into the services space. Absolutely. But it's like, I'd rather be a protocol than, than a decentralized application. Yeah, yeah I'm with day. you. Because yeah. that's actually where the, I mean, think about it. That's kind of where you are. You're at yeah. that, if you think about that, you know, everything in business has hierarchies to it. Yes. So here's decentralized applications. Here's like the, the integration brokers or the yes. APIs. And then here's your protocol, mm. which enables everything top down and bottom up and left and right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's also a lot of money to be made in terms of like middleware. As well, you know what I mean? Where all the connections are happening. We're seeing that a lot in like kind of the IoT space as well. The guys that are going to win there are the guys building the middleware that, that everything kind of connects in and out of. Um, I mean, even looking at these guys from, from Trueface, I mean, they, they're selling SDKs. Like they, they're not selling, uh, anything other than SDK that you can load onto your, onto your, um, uh, CCTV camera system. That's, that's what they're doing. It's yeah. it's amazing. It's super niche. Yeah, it is. And it's working. <laughs> yeah. You know, so you can pretty much put it onto anything, which is kind of where we want to go. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's talk about where you're going to go. Mm. Where are you going? So, I mean, what's been really, really interesting is like we've, I, th- I think we've done really well in this, in this past year. Um, within South Africa, we've, um, had a lot of interest from, uh, markets like India and so on. So we've been talking to a lot of guys there to take our tech there. But the one deal that we basically have signed is we've signed someone on in the UK, um, as well to kind of take the business over to the UK and open up Europe for us. Um, yeah. So that's, that's been like very, very interesting for us in terms of, a kind of growth cross borders because we've already got clients, you know, in the UK and even in Zimbabwe and all of that. So we're definitely wanting to go north from here. Can't go south unless we visit Yana in the south. But anyway, <laughs> um, so it's definitely a growth kind of north for us. Um, and then 
uh, just from a product point of view, there's like, like, I mean, we've built out our roadmap for the next 18 months, um, which, which is really, really amazing. So, um, that's given us a lot of kind of foresight of where we're going to. But one thing that I did want to say is that we've opened up our product pipeline and what we're doing to our clients. So they take a look at what we're building. Um, so we know that we're building alongside them and what they are looking for. So that's been, um, I think a, a really good move from us. Well, it's, you know, it's transparency, right? Correct. Cause a lot, you know, people seem to be quite, uh, closed with what they're doing. And it's, you know, well, we can't say shit until yeah. launch day. Correct. And actually, again, that's why I say it's open source. It's like, yeah, people don't really understand the value of open source and how powerful that True. shit is. I mean, True. My, a GitHub was bought by who? Microsoft. Oh, oh, I don't know. Um, and then, uh, IBM just bought Red Hat. Yes. Yeah, GitHub's. We use GitHub. It's an amazing but product. But it's open source, yeah. bro. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. anyway, so last question for yes. you, Bad. Why do you do what you do? Why are you doing this shit? In terms of everything, or just doing like got bots and so on. Well, everything. okay, I'll, okay. So ev- everything from for me, I came. I didn't go to like basically a normal. Um, school and so on. I actually went to National School of Arts. I'm like an, a creative at heart. You're a rock star. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's like, it's having gone through all of that. So, so I made businesses because I loved things. I love design and I love gaming. So I made a business that's really good at design and gaming. That's great. So that's what Injozi does and so on. And then I needed music for my games and so on. And I love, I love music. I'm still playing a band. So I was like, cool, I'm going to make a, business I, I couldn't believe i could make money out of music and and now we have possibly the the biggest um music agency or post-production house on on the continent you know um so i did all of those from passion then frustration t- happens with technology and so on and you want certain things like me going to a provider and sitting on the phone with them and just going through motion after motion explaining who i am over and over again and like and then going like i can actually solve this problem but also through that was um the realization of understanding business models and gotbot is a business model for me that was was an experiment to see what could i do could i scale a business to go massive and when I mean massive, like I'd love to build a, a, a billion, you know, dollar business. Like if I could do that, I'd, you know, I've hit, hit other markers under that. <laughs> now I'd be very happy. But if I could do that, I'd be like thrilled, you know, so I'd it's, be thrilled for you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'd be that guy cheering you <laughs> yeah, on and exactly. cursing your name afterwards. <laughs> so, so that's why I do it. I think it's, it's passion and problem solving all mixed into one. Well then, dude. Thanks, Nick, so thanks much, dude. It's thanks, been for awesome, thanks for having me, guys. It was yeah, awesome. Round of applause for Nick, guys. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks. Dude. Awesome. Cheers. This edition of the Map Round Show is brought to you by NetworkSpace.co.za. In fact, our studios are here in building number four at Network Space up in Johannesburg. These guys have made us a huge deal, have really bent over backwards to give us the kind of service that most exciting businesses deserve. If you want more information about Network Space, you can actually come and check out our studio. We are always open to meet new entrepreneurs and business owners from around the country, and you can do that right here at networkspace.coza.
Thanks for checking out the Map Round Show, guys. And if you'd like to get the Kung Fu put in your ninja, check out digitalkungfu.co.za. Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients Clients Haiku went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.